0: Turning your Bibles to the book of Lamentations tonight, Lamentations chapter number 3. And I, I want to say I appreciate the Lord. I appreciate Him meeting with us this morning. And uh, I got help. I got encouragement. Amen. And in these days we're living in, we need encouragement, don't we? And I just want to say uh, how uh, proud I am of the Lord and how much He means to me. And I'm uh, thrilled that you're here tonight. And uh you're a lot better than those low down dirty dogs that stayed home tonight, Amen, Don't tell them I said that, but <laughs> Ken's gonna tell them, ain't he? no, we uh do pray for uh them one of them's my wife, amen, so uh be sure and pray for those A lot of folks that are sick right now, you pray for them as they recover, uh some folks traveling, things like that, so you pray for them as well and uh I'm just thrilled to be with you here tonight. Lamentations chapter number three. And I'd like to begin reading in verse number 1, Lamentations, uh, chapter number 3, verse number 1. This, of course, pinned down by the prophet Jeremiah uh, in the wake of the destruction of Jerusalem. The Bible says in verse number 1, I am the man that hath seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. Surely against me is he turned. He turneth his hand against me all the day. My flesh and my skin hath he made old. He hath broken my bones. He hath builded against me and compassed me with gall and travail. He hath set me in dark places as they that be dead of old. He hath hedged me about that I cannot get out. He hath made my chain heavy. Also, when I cry and shout, he shutteth out my prayer. He hath enclosed my ways with hewn stone. He hath made my paths crooked. He was unto me as a bear lying in wait and as a lion in secret places. He hath turned aside my ways and pulled me in pieces. He hath made me desolate. He hath bent his bow and set me as a mark for the arrow. He hath caused the arrows of his quiver to enter into my reins. I was a derision to all my people and their song all the day. He hath filled me with bitterness. He hath made me drunken with wormwood. He hath broken my teeth with gravel stones. He hath covered me with ashes. and Thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. I forget prosperity. And I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord, remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall. My soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall to my mind, and therefore I have hope, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we love you tonight. What a blessing to get to be here I pray that the Holy Ghost would have free reigning course tonight. Speak to hearts. I pray that the uh, name of Jesus would be magnified. But Lord, above that, that the word of God would be magnified. You've magnified your word above your name. And Lord, as we approach your word tonight, may we do it the due reverence and respect that it deserves. And may we give it the right of way in our hearts and minds. Lord, may we not in, in pride be puffed up, but may we instead in humility be open sincerely seeking to have the mind of Christ in these matters. We'll be sure to thank you for it. Lord, I love you tonight, and I thank you for loving me. Lord, you're a precious God. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Lamentations is probably one of the most sorrowful and saddest books in the Word of God. It is a fit bearer of its title. It is a book of songs of sorrow and uh, songs of grief and affliction that the prophet Jeremiah pinned down uh, after the city of Jerusalem was destroyed. Verse number 1 sums up Jeremiah's frame of mind when he says this, I am the man that hath seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. Now, he is not just talking about what he has seen, but he's talking about what he is seeing. Uh, He is literally walking around the city that was precious to him, that was his home, that was the place that, He had ministered and labored, and he is seeing the devastating result of sin in a society. Can I say to you tonight, sin will tear down cities. It will destroy civilizations. In fact, every civilization that has ever been raised in society has been brought low uh, by sin's effects. And uh, Jeremiah is viewing a city that because of the sin of the people of Israel, and because of the sinful appetites of the Babylonians, has been laid waste to. He was a broken man surveying the rubble of the destruction of Jerusalem. All this had happened really over the course of several years, but in the weeks leading up to this moment, uh, there had been an intense assault from Nebuchadnezzar upon the city of Jerusalem, and it had finally been broken as a, a fortress, and he is... Uh, surveying all that he sees. We could maybe say this, that he is surveying the rubble of the previous year. He's watching and looking and studying all the devastation, all of the heartache, and all of the destruction that has befallen the people of God in the past few weeks and in the past year. I don't know about you, but when I approach this passage of Scripture, particularly this time of year, it makes me think of the past year that we've been living in. Now listen, I don't want to be melodramatic tonight. We spent a good uh, amount of time this morning just worshiping on the goodness of the Lord. And we're going to get to that here in a moment. But I I do think we can be honest enough to say tonight that there's sure been a lot of death and destruction over the past year. There's sure been a lot of society and civilization being laid low over the past year. And if we're not careful as we look around over the past year, all we will see is waste, howling wilderness, and rubble we'll look and see a scene much like Jeremiah saw. Uh, The real toll that had been taken was not just upon the walls. It was not just upon the temple there in Jerusalem, but it was the toll that had been taken upon the people. And when I began to read through Jeremiah's uh, sorrowful lament here in these uh, 20 verses that begin this chapter, uh, I started to pick up on some themes. And it reminded me of some of the things that maybe you have been through over the past year. What about your 2021? What was it like for you? When I read this, Jeremiah describes a time of mental battles. He says in verse number two, He hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. Jeremiah could say this, I feel like I know less today than I did when I started. Can I say there are certain things about what's going on in our society that I feel like I know less today than I knew when it started? There are things that I have more questions about than I've got answers about. He goes on to say in verse number 17, Thou hast removed my soul far off from peace, and I forgot prosperity. In other words, this is a man that is deeply disturbed to his very soul. You know, perhaps 2021 was a year of mental battles for you. A time when the devil tried to assault your mind. Let me say that uh, the mind can become the devil's playground. It is a place that if he is given authority, he will wreak havoc in the heart and soul of a person. That's why we need to guard our minds. That's why we need to think on these things that the book of Philippians chapter 4 tells us about. Because when we yield the battlefield of our mind, we're yielding the victory to the devil. Perhaps this past year was a time that was mentally taxing for you. Uh, maybe you just feel like a wrung out dish rag uh, mentally from all that you've been through. Verse number four, Jeremiah says this, my flesh and my skin hath he made old, he hath broken my bones. In other words, we could say this, that for Jeremiah it was a year of not only mental battles, but physical battles as well. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands because I probably won't like what I'll get. But how many of you feel older now than you did when 2021 started? I feel like I've aged about five years. I don't know about you, and I probably look it, too, to be frank with you. It was a year of physical battles in many ways. Uh, there was, of course, sickness over this past year and uh varying opinions about all the particulars around that, but I think we can all recognize that uh, what we've been through the past two years ain't been good for nobody's health. Somebody say amen. Uh, you can only eat so many Cheetos and watch so many episodes of Gunsmoke before it takes its toll. Somebody say amen to that. Some of y'all won't say amen, and I know why you won't. Amen. It was a year of physical battles. He says in verse 11, He hath turned aside my ways and pulled me in pieces. He hath made me desolate. In other words, Jeremiah says, I'm just physically exhausted. I'm just physically broken by what I've been through. And certainly while all of society could share in some of the physical battles that we've experienced, it may be in your life specifically you've been fighting some physical battles some things that you didn't ask for and pray for and you begged God to take away, but God has seen fit for it to be your lot, to have to battle on the physical battlefield of health and of weakness and infirmity. Not only was it a year of physical battles, look down at verse number 5. This is interesting. Really, everything Jeremiah is speaking about, he's speaking of the hand of God dispensing to him. But notice how narrow this thought gets in verse 5. He says of the Lord, He hath builded against me and compassed me with gall and travail. That's sorrow, bitterness. He hath set me in dark places, as they that be dead of old. He talks about a spiritual deadness he was struggling with. He hath hedged me about that I cannot get out. He said, I tried to find a way through the fog, but God blocked up my way. He hath made my chain heavy. He said, I feel bondage on me. He said, also when I cry and shout, he shutteth out my prayer. He said, the harder I pray, uh, the, the less it goes, the less it does. Down in verse 18, he echoes this. He said, I, "I my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. I would say this, that for Jeremiah, it was a year of spiritual battles. And I don't merely mean spiritual battles in the sense of, of classical spiritual warfare, of darkness against light, of righteousness against unrighteousness. That, that warfare wages all the time. but but what Jeremiah is saying is in his own personal walk with God, that the past year had brought much confusion, much discouragement, much frustration. Many, many of the moments that he had lived, much of the time he could not discern what God was doing. And his spiritual walk had felt like a battle. It felt like he had not just been fighting the, the godless pagans, not just that he had been fighting the backslidden hypocrites in Israel, but that he had been fighting God himself. He just felt spiritually exhausted. And maybe you over the past year have felt bewildered over many of the things that you have experienced. You've been crying out like Jeremiah, but your prayers haven't been getting answered. It was a year of spiritual battles. Look at verse number 14. He says this, I was a derision to all my people and their song all the day. In other words, it was a year of social battles. So what do you mean, preacher? Well, it was a time. Let's just say that the time leading up to the siege of Jerusalem, Jeremiah was not a popular man. The message that God had given Jeremiah was not a gleaming message of hope, of messianic triumph, but rather it was a for a brooding message of impending judgment. And he was telling the people of Judah, you can fight against this, and all you're going to do is kill yourself. Instead, you better resign yourself to the judgment of God. Now, that sounds real good when you know it's coming from God, but when you don't, it sounds a lot like treason. And so he was not a popular man. So unpopular was Jeremiah that they finally scooped him up and threw him down in a pit just to let him die there. Uh, he was a despised individual. He had uh, borne the brunt of society's scorn and society's spite. And I would say this, that, boy, we, we've turned into a socially battling society, haven't we? I mean, listen, it don't take much to get folks to hate one another in the days we're living in. I mean, you just disagree, that's enough. <laughs> and certainly, it, it, it seems like all that we've been through over the past uh, couple, three years, uh, it has been very easy for people to pick up stones and hurl them at one another. I'm talking about relationships that were once on solid footing that have been blown to pieces about things that nobody understands. We're living in a time of social battles. You may have struggled over this past year. There may be people that would have picked up when you called this time last year that won't pick up when you called. There may be people that would have called you this time last year that won't call you no more. It was a time of social battles. But then look at verse 15. says this, He hath filled me with bitterness He hath made me drunken with wormwood. He hath also broken my teeth with gravel stones. He hath covered me with ashes. All of these statements are figurative for great sorrow of soul and bitterness. And I'd say this, this might have been a time this past year that was a year filled with emotional battles. Time when depression, discouragement, and sorrow set itself deep in your soul, drove its tent pegs deep, and did not want to quit you anytime soon. And you may feel like at the end of all that, that you've just been fighting and fighting and fighting. And you might look back over this past year, and like Jeremiah, I see nothing but a bunch of wreckage and rubble. Certainly, I would say this, you couldn't be blamed if you did feel that way. And again, I don't want to be melodramatic. You might say, Preacher, that ship is done so but I would say this, God's been awful good. But I'd say the, these past year and two has been been pretty rough too. If we're being honest, man. There's been some things we faced we didn't look for and, and some things that we didn't hope for. But I'm interested not only in the battles that he saw, but I want you to look down in verse number 20. All of a sudden something changes. Jeremiah's been talking about all the battles that he's been facing and certainly his days had been filled with many battles. But as he walks through the city and surveys all of the rubble and surveys all of the wreckage, he remembers all the battles, but all of a sudden God starts reminding him of some blessings as well. In other words, he he looks around and he sees a lot of painful things. But all of a sudden the Holy Ghost strikes his mind and he starts noticing some profitable things. I would say this, that no matter how good or bad this past year has been for you, as we look backwards over what God has done, there are some things that we ought to keep in mind and some perspective that we ought to have going into 2022. What are the things that he saw? Well, let's notice, we'll read all of it together and then we'll go back and scoop up a few thoughts. Verse number 20, he says this, My soul hath them still in remembrance. Now, what is he talking about when he says them? He's talking about his affliction in verse 19 and his misery, the wormwood, which was a bitter root. It was figurative for that which is bitter to the soul. And the gall, speaking of uh, that uh, vial, that part that is bitter tasting uh, in uh, the human physiology. He says, you know, I I think about all those things and I remember those things, he says. My soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. And he says, this I recall to mind, therefore have I hope. Now, let me just pause there and say this, man. That's the kind of hope we need. If he could describe all of that turmoil and all of that sorrow and all of that pain that he'd been through, that though there may be some similarities to what we have experienced. Certainly, it far outstrips and outweighs what we've been through. And if Jeremiah can have hope, I want that kind of hope. That's the kind of hope we need. He says this, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning, he says. Great is thy faithfulness. Boy, that's a different song that he's singing. Great is thy faithfulness, he says to the Lord. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. And he says this, it is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. What were the good things that he saw in a gruesome year? I would say, number one, he sees the lesson of our problems. Look again at verse 20. He says, you know, I look back at everything we've been through. He says, I look at all the heartache. I look at all the disappointment. I look at all the discouragement. And remember, this is a man that had preached and begged the people of God to turn from their wickedness And turn to God and be spared of judgment before finally the die was cast, the Rubicon was crossed, and they had to meet the judgment of God. But there was a time when a young Jeremiah had been hopeful that something would change. It had not happened that way, and he thinks back to all the disappointment, all of the the discouragement, all of the bitterness. He says, you know, those things are still with me. He says, my soul hath them still in remembrance. Then he says this, and is humbled in me wonder what you see when you look at your problems i would say this there's a great many people that are afraid to look at their problems they've not learned to process them yet and instead they just sort of turn away from the things that have befallen them i'd note that jeremiah was not that way he says you know i'm not living with rose tinted glasses he said i remember how much it hurts my soul hath been still in remembrance He says, it's not lost on me, all the heartache that that was. But he says, when I look at it through the prism of what God is trying to do, he said, here's what I notice. I notice that in all that, God sure has done a humbling work in my life. Can I tell you one of the greatest things that God has done over the past year? He has showed every single one of us that we are not God, but he is. (laughs) Buddy, if we didn't know it before, we sure enough know now. That all God has to do. We think we've got a society. I'm going to say that again. We think that we've got a society. We think we got laws. Right? We think we got constitutional protections. We, we think we've got all these things. We think we got each other's back. But you just wait, man. Uh, a little something come along, and it can throw all of that into a tailspin. And all of a sudden, man, we're reminded that this thing only holds together because God lets it hold together. When the Bible says that by Him all things consist, it's speaking, of course, in a scientific way about the very universe, that the very molecular structure binds together because God is who He says He is because of His immutable nature. Can I just say that in a society in general, uh, if it sticks together, if it holds together, the only reason it will is because it's got God at the center of it. And when they take God out of the center of it, man, it don't take long. That thing will fly to pieces. And we are learning in our society, I hope, and we as the people of God, I hope, are learning how desperately we need the Lord. We don't just barely need him. I mean, we badly need him. Jeremiah said, you know, everything I've been through, he said, I've not forgot what it all was like. He said, I'm not misremembering. I'm not... I'm not rewriting. I'm not I'm not developing a revisionist history. I'm not painting it all in a better light. He says, my soul still feels every bit of the heartache that I felt, but I've learned to look at it through the prism of what God was trying to do. And I've learned to, to be content with God having to humble me and bring me to a place where I'm willing to let him be God in my life. Imagine how different your life and my life would be if we just simply start letting God be God. Quit trying to be God for him and start letting him be God in our life. We see the lesson of our problems. Then look at verse number 21. He says this, this I recall to my mind. Therefore, have I hope it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Jeremiah looks around at the rubble and the first lesson he sees is the lesson of our problems. He says God humbled us through him. And God was doing a work in us. But here's the second lesson he learns is the lesson of our presence. It's almost like Jeremiah says, it's all gone. There's nothing left. And he stops and looks at himself and says, well, I'm left. (laughs) I'm still here. And it's it's like the Holy Ghost just pricks his heart and says, you know, Jeremiah, you say that God dropped the ball. You say God didn't protect you. You say God didn't watch over you. But here you stand. And who do you think it was that kept you alive through all of this? Why us? You ever stop and think about it? I mean, why us? Why are we still here? How many people have we seen snatched away over the past year from whatever it might be, from a sickness or it could be any number of things, any number of of health things that could befall a person, uh, tragedies, car accidents, any number of things that could have happened. And yet here we stand. What are we to believe from that? Jeremiah said, I'll tell you what I believe. I believe this. The Lord is a merciful God. Jeremiah said, there ain't nothing better about me than those other people. Remember, as he is walking through, and I don't want to be too gory or too gruesome, but he's literally stepping over dead bodies as he walks through the city of Jerusalem. And then he says, why am I any different than that fellow laying there? I should have been laying there. I'll tell you why I'm still here, Jeremiah says, "It's because the Lord is merciful. We're not consumed, he said. God had protected and preserved Jeremiah through all the destruction. <laughs> Man, I mean, I listen, I say it all the time. Here we still are. Praise the Lord for that. I mean, there were some folks, if you'd believed them in the past two years, we all should have been dead 35 times over. But here we are. And listen, I mean, I'm not trying to make make too much light of it. I I, I guess we could have been. I don't know. But I am saying this tonight, even had it not been from whatever sickness or whatever anything, there's a lot of people better than you, better than me, a lot of people healthier than you, and sure enough, a whole lot of them healthier than me that are no longer walking this earth. But we're here because God has been so gracious and so faithful and so compassionate in our lives. We can sit around and gripe about the things that have befallen us or we can choose to lift holy hands towards heaven and say, Lord, I want to thank you that I'm still here after everything. After everything that's happened, I'm still here. And I want to praise you for your goodness. Look at verse number 23. Learn not only the lesson of our problems and the lesson of our presence, but he says in verse number 23 about the Lord's compassions. He had already said they fail not. I, I didn't say nothing about it, but I'm going to say something about it now. Ain't it good as compassions don't fail. Sometimes my compassions fail. Sometimes when I ought to be compassionate, I'm not compassionate. Sometimes when I when I am compassionate, I'm compassionate up to a point. Somebody give me an amen out there. <laughs> I'm compassionate until you reach a certain point, a certain place, and then you reach my limit and you've found it. But I'm glad the Lord's compassions, they fail not. You never going to get to a place where He doesn't have compassion on you. He may not do what you want him to do, but it won't be because he doesn't love you. And it won't be because he doesn't have compassion on you. And then he says this about the Lord's compassions. Verse 23 says, "They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Here's what he learned. He learned the lesson of God's promise. God had promised to be faithful to Israel. What does faithfulness look like? I'll tell you what faithfulness is. Faithfulness is God being who He said He'd be. Faithfulness is not God doing what we want Him to do. Faithfulness is God being who He said He'd be. Sometimes we get upset because God don't do what we want Him to do. But God never promised to do everything we'd want Him to do. But He did promise that He's the Lord God and He changeth not. And that what He said He would be, He would be to His people. Jeremiah, looking around at the wreckage of this city and he's thinking, you know. This is not God's failure. This is our failure. Because he is a faithful God. And he never fails us. Every morning his compassions are new. You know what I think Jeremiah is being struck by in that moment? The reality that had they woke up and truly repented and come back to God, God would have spared them even at that last minute. The thing that was going to change their destiny was not fighting, it was forgiveness. It wasn't resistance, it was repentance. They thought they could prevail through resistance, but the only way they ever could have prevailed was through repentance. I think Jeremiah is realizing this morning when we woke up, he would have been willing to hear us if we would have cried out to him. (laughs) Then he says, great is thy faithfulness. It's not great in, in It's not great relative to our expectations. It's great relative to what we deserve. We deserve so much less than who he is and what he gives us. But he gives us who he is. He gives us what he does for us in our life. Not because of us, but because he is a faithful God, faithful to himself and faithful to his promises. I wonder if you was standing where Jeremiah was, would you think God's promises had been shattered to pieces? I'll tell you, there's been times I've been tempted to think it. And certainly anybody could have looked at Jeremiah and and said, you know, God said he was going to watch over Zion. And God said Israel was his people. And God said they were the apple of his eye, And God said that he would protect them. But Jeremiah understood this, that all those promises had always had upon them the condition of their obedience unto him. And what they were seeing was not the breaking of God's promise. Rather, in many ways, it was the fulfillment of God's warning. Jeremiah says, I'm not going to blame God for what mankind has done. Instead, I'm going to recognize that even in this, when he could have destroyed us together, he's not. Why did he not? Because he said he'd never leave us and he'd never forsake us. He was reminded in all of that that God is a promise-keeping God. Can I just tell you, God didn't break a single promise to you this past year. Not a single one. There was a lot of promises that was broken this past year but none of them on God's behalf. There was a lot of things that people promised and people swore and they dangled like a carrot out in front of folks. moved gold posts, changed things. But God didn't break a single promise. Every person that disappointed you this past year, not one of them was God. He kept every promise that he made to you. When you look back over a year where you might have had some discouragement, some frustration, some disappointments, I'd remind you of this, that in all that, God has been faithful. And he's not disappointed you one single time. He learned the lesson of his promise. Look at verse 24. He says this. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. He had learned the lesson of his problems and the lesson of his presence and the lesson of God's promise. But here's what he had learned. He had learned the lesson of his portion. And who was his portion? Well, he says the Lord is his portion. What does it mean to say a Portion. Well, it's really not all that different from the common usage of a word. Anybody like to go to restaurants? This ain't going to work if you won't wake up and help me. I'm just telling you. This is a two-way street, this right here. God sees you, all right? Anybody in here like to go to restaurants? There we go. I like restaurants with big portions. It don't even have to be that good of food, if I'm being honest. Because I'm going to eat it so fast it ain't going to matter anyway. But I hate going to a restaurant that has small portions. I went to one of my favorite restaurants the other day, and it was as good as it's ever been. It was just only about a quarter of it. And I was so mad. I couldn't see straight. The portion is what is mine. my My amount. My allotment. That which belongs to me, right? I've got me and my wife have this deal. When I take her to a restaurant, I will buy her anything on the menu. I will buy her three of anything on the menu. But if I get something and it's on my plate, it belongs to me. I'm sorry if you don't like that. If you don't think it's romantic, it's probably good we never married. If If it's mine, it's mine. If you want one, I'll get you one. I'll get you six of them. I don't care. But they're mine. Every fry is mine. Every tater tot is mine. Every onion ring is mine. You understand? It's all mine. That's my portion. Jeremiah is saying, you know, I look back at all this and I thought my portion was all this sorrow. But he said, instead, what I'm realizing is my portion was the Lord. At the end of the day, here's what I had. I had him. There's a lot of things we think are our portion. That are not. You're a child of God. I'll tell you what is yours by birthright. What belongs to you. And that's the God of all glory. He's given himself to you. Anything else you've got. It may be took away from you in a heartbeat. But can I tell you this. Here's what Jeremiah had learned. He said we've lost everything. And yet at the end of the day. We still have the one thing. That really matters. (laughs) He said we've lost the city but we still have the sovereign. He said, we've lost the temple, but we still have the Almighty. (laughs) He said, we've we've lost it all. We've lost the house of the glory of God, but we've still got the God of glory. All that had been stripped away. Here he stands with no people to minister to, with no temple to worship in. And he says, all I'm left with is God. And it's like he stops and says, It's enough. It's enough. It's all I've got, but it's enough to face whatever I'll come across. I'll tell you what we've learned. Again, like I said, been a lot of things took away from us. There's a lot of freedoms and rights that we thought we had that we learned we didn't. But I'll tell you this. I'll tell you what we do have. We have God, and they cannot take him away from us. He's going to be good to us no matter what. He is our portion. God had been enough for Jeremiah through his trials. And God is always enough. And he says, you know, I've lost everything, but I still have him. So he says there this, therefore, will I hope in him? He says, I ain't hoping in the people. The people are gone. I ain't hoping in the temple. The temple's destroyed. I ain't hoping in the government. Government is dissolved. But he said, I've still got the Lord and I'm going to hope in him. He learned the lesson of his portion. And then finally, look at verse 25. He says this, The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. To the soul that seeketh him, it is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Here's what he learned. He learned the lesson of his patience. He learned that though it was painful, when he waited on God, God always did things the best way. This is a man that's literally standing in in, in the wreckage of his home. He's seeing friends and loved ones lying dead strewn about the street. He's seeing the devastation of the city that to him was not just a home, but it was the home of God. It was the hope of the world. And yet he still says, you know, in all this, if we'll just wait on God, God will bring about perfection through what he's doing. He's good unto them that wait for Him. Would He be good to those that don't wait for Him? Well, He would be, but they won't wait for Him to be good to them. We want God to do it in our time. But the truth is, God's going to do it in the best time. God don't want second best for you. He wants best for you. Sometimes that means we have to wait until God can provide it. To the soul that seeketh Him. You know why? Because when we seek Him, we find Him. And when we find him, we found the good, the best thing. He says in verse 26, it is good. This is an amazing thing to me. I, and I don't even know that I'm getting a point across. I don't know that I'm even getting you to understand how, how amazing this is. Here's a man standing in utter destruction and he says, it is good. It is good. Man, if Jeremiah can say it is good with what he's standing in, surely we can say it with what we're going through. He said, it is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Isn't it interesting the way he says that, quietly wait? Now, that's a difference from what he was saying a little earlier. You remember what he said a a little bit earlier? He said uh, back in uh, verse number 8, when I cry and shout, he shutteth out my prayer. And now, down in verse number 26, he says, should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. What he had learned is this. He was crying and shouting because he was trying to push God to move before God was ready to move. And God shut out his prayer. Now, that doesn't mean God didn't hear his prayer. But what it means is his prayer didn't gain an influence or an influence in that matter. And he says this. I could probably say it in my life. I bet you can in yours. Jeremiah says, boy, I'm glad that God didn't answer that prayer. Because now that I've waited, now that I've trusted in him, I've seen that he's doing a work in our nation. He's doing a work in our people. He's doing a work in my soul that could not be accomplished if he had answered that prayer. Man, how many times have we prayed things and afterwards thought to ourselves, I am sure enough glad that God did not answer that prayer. Now, why is it then when we pray and we do not have that peace yet, We can't trust to him and say, Lord, I don't know why you won't do this, but I know you always do what is best. So I'm willing to hope and quietly wait for you to bring this to pass. He had learned that if he would just wait on God, God would do all things well. It's what the Bible says, he doeth all things well. The judge of all the earth, he does right. He's not going to mess up with you and he's not going to mess up with me. And there are things, as I look back over this past year, I still don't understand. Things that I would have done differently. Things I wish had been done differently. But I can say this, that in all of it, the things that I've left to God, He's done perfectly. Therefore, the things I don't understand, I can trust Him with. So here's a question I want to ask you. As you look back over 2021, do you look back over it with regret and bitterness? Or do you instead look back and say, you know, I have much to praise the Lord for and much reason to trust Him going into this next year. Let's bow together tonight as a musician comes to play. I want to invite you to meet the Lord in the altar tonight. If for no other reason just to commit this next year unto Him. you've not done it yet, you ought to do it. You ought to just say, Lord, this next year belongs to You. Help me to be faithful to You. Help me to obey You. Help me to commit myself unto You. Or there may be some things in your life you've struggled with. Some battles like Jeremiah had faced that he had experienced. Some things that you didn't want. Some things that you're struggling with. Won't you come and commit those things to the Lord. Maybe some things that you've got some questions towards the Lord about. You don't understand what he did. You don't understand why he did it that way. Won't you come down and bear your heart to him. And just say, Lord, give me peace about these matters. And help me to both hope and quietly wait the salvation of the Lord. Father, bless this invitation. May it magnify the Lord Jesus. We ask it in His name. With our heads bowed, our eyes closed, Melissa's playing. The altar is open. If God touched your heart, beat him down here. If He called your name, go ahead and answer. If He tugged on your strings, just ahead and get up. Follow them strings.